94.7 Kumu Kokua, because Kumu cares. We got your Kumu Kokua segment. This is where we bring in Hawaii's leaders and experts to talk about the issues you care about and to answer your questions. And returning for his Aloha Friday update on COVID-19, we have once again the Lieutenant Governor, Josh Green. Hey, hey. good morning, sir. Hey, guys. You know, it is really important today to talk with you because we are getting ready for the October 15th reopening of Trans-Pacific Tourism. This is like, this is yep. the this is the, the the drum roll, the long drum roll to the thing that people have been waiting for, uh, both pro and con. Are we ready? Are we ready for next Thursday? What can people expect? What's already in place and what still needs to be worked out, you think? Well, are we ready it's a big project, a big mess. Yes, we are ready to a point. It, it's not going to be perfect, and everyone knows that, and that's okay. It can't be perfect, but we are ready to add an additional layer of security, yes. We're ready with the partners. I've been busting my butt to get us extra partners, as has an excellent guy out of the Attorney General's office, Krishna. He's fantastic. Everyone's helping amazing partners, and HSA's helping us, and Hawaiian is helping us, and Alaska Airlines, and CBS and Wally, all these guys are helping us like crazy. But they're still going to be bumped. Um, Fort Fujigami at the airport is amazing, and Doug Murdoch is working his butt off to get our tech stuff together, another great guy. All these people are working so hard. Then, of course, the Department of Health is working day and night on the, this crisis itself. But all these pieces have to come together. We will have a pretest set up, fine. We do have the right uh, protocols in place, yes. We're not expecting that many um, people to fly in. There will be a small bump right off the bat because people are dying to come to Hawaii. They probably had tickets saved up and whatnot. How many people are you expecting? Well, I know what the actual number is right now. Right now, um, yeah, and and it's going to be a modest number. I would say as of right now, as of right now, Mm -hmm. we will average about 2,200 to 2,400 visitors a day for the second half of October, as of right now. And now, just, and just for our... Uh, I'm sorry, sorry? Lieutenant Governor, just, I, I didn't mean to interrupt you, except to say that for our listeners who are not familiar with what that number means, because typically in regular times, Hawaii has about 32,000 visitors per day. So to say we're going to have 2,200 to 2,400 is a very small amount comparatively, is what you're saying. Right. We're going to have about, for the first couple of weeks... I will At most, I would say we'll average 10% of our normal load, which gives us, when we're going to have a lot of personnel at the airports working, right, to make sure this is smooth as we can get it. So at 10%, we should be able to do our very best to make it smooth, although big new process. You have to qualify with this, you know, you have to go through the, uh, the digital app. You have to make sure you've signed in. You have to have had your, uh, your pre-test appropriately done. It has to be uploaded, all this stuff, right, that you can do before you travel, of course, and we're encouraging people to do that. So if you do all that stuff right, people will sail right through, and their risk of having COVID will be very low. Not nothing, but very low. Lower than our, our local prevalence rate, though, when you take into account their test. So that's good. And then we have to be super smart, and we have to wear masks all the time when we're working again, because if we don't wear masks, they'll be spread. And if we have that happen, everyone's going to blame me, which is fine, for opening the state. But it will not be that. It will absolutely be spread between us, which is the hard work of of the coronavirus. The hard work is, and I'm I'm definitely right there with everybody, the hard work is to wear masks and not spread it when you have an unexpected close contact with someone who's asymptomatic. 
Dr. Fauci pointed out that we had 14 to 45 percent of the people that have COVID are asymptomatic carriers. And so because of that, you get the idea. I mean, we could have spread. So we will be ready on October 15th with all these partners. We'll get better each week and we'll add more and more partners. I'm also adding a secondary level of protection, which is a strategic surveillance program. That will test four days after people get in. We'll randomly test about 10% of the travelers to make sure we're not missing cases. You know what I mean? We'll do some Mm -hmm. science on it. We'll get the statistics to make sure we're not having people slip through the cracks too badly. Although, as as Dr. Fauci told us, some some cases will always slip through, no matter what you do. So... Be ready for that, but not many. You know, the, mm-hmm. the likelihood is about one out of a thousand individual travelers that's going to come in, maybe a little more, maybe a little less, but about one in a thousand will have asymptomatic COVID that, for whatever reason, tested negative. Like we tested and it just hadn't manifested enough to test positive. If we can't handle three cases out of a thousand or eight cases out of 8,000, then we will never open. And Never opening means people will suffer terribly. We all know that someday we have to open. So let's open while we're doing well. Let's open while we have a test. Let's open while we have a second test. I think the mayors are still planning on doing a second test. Won't be connected or mandatory to the quarantine reentry, but it will be good. Just so people know, I know that some are upset. I want additional testing. In fact, a ton of additional testing. I just want to do it smart. Test the people that are high risk. Test the people that are first responders, test students coming back, let's test all those young, beautiful children that we have so that they don't spread COVID when they get back. Let's test smart and then we're fine. Clarify that thing with the neighbor islands because, you know, so apparently the governor gave, uh, Governor David Ige gave the counties the option, the choice to opt out of the pre-travel testing program. Why is that? And, and you know, I understand counties having their individual situations, et cetera, but won't that be confusing for tourists? It could be. I'm the LG. I'm not the Gov. The Gov has to make these tough decisions with the mayors because they have a a very close working relationship. They have a personal dynamic. It it has been built over time. And what's really happening is the mayors here, day in and day out from their constituents locally, they're worried. There's a lot of concern. And in truth, the the best and most compelling argument to have additional testing or additional protocols for the neighbor islands is they have much less healthcare capacity. Big Island only has 24 ICU beds. Kauai only has nine. Maui only has 29. So Mm -hmm. because there is less healthcare resource, you can make a, a, um, a reasonable argument for extra testing. And and that testing should, again, once, once as I said it before, be very smart and strategic, but because you don't have unlimited tests, and you're already testing people down to about one in a thousand, but the concerns are there, and so the governor, he, Governor Ige, I, I've known him for many years, but I've only known him up close for two who's only served as governor and lieutenant governor for two years, I've learned that he really wants to be collaborative and he does not like to uh, leave people out of his policymaking when this involves them. He does not like that. So he's being very respectful of the mayors and their concerns, and that's why. And I'd say that's okay. Look, if I have to spend extra time messaging and our communications people have to tell others that, there are these additional um, requirements for Big Island or, or Hawaii or Maui or what have you. We'll, see, we'll do it. 
the main policy, the statewide policy, is a 72-hour uh, nucleic acid amplification test before, 72 hours before departure, and if you have a negative test, no need quarantine. After that, everything else is going to be additional security. It may be extreme overkill, but, hey, nobody wants to catch COVID. I hated it. Having COVID was terrible. Okay. Lieutenant Governor, um, what is more scary for you? The fact that we have this community spread that we're dealing with or the fact that we're bringing in outside people? Because there seems to be like two minds on this, right? It's, okay, don't let in the tourists because they're going to bring in all the COVID. And then there's other people saying, what are you talking about? Because there's people with COVID here in the islands. That's not from tourists. Let's put that argument to bed right now, okay? Here you go. The, The answer is, Far and away, a thousand percent, I'm worried more about spread here in our state once we've, once we've opened up and within our state as we're interacting with one another to spread. We know the answer. The answer is it is community spread that's the biggest risk. It's not travel. The reason we know that is because when we had no travel here or virtually no travel, unbelievably low numbers, starting like, you know, 300 to 600 people a day from the outside, that's when we had the incredible super surge for us up to 250 to 300 cases a day and our hospitals were filled up. We had no significant travelers here and we were spreading it because we were not wearing masks and we were gathering in large groups. That is clear. That evidence, that experience, end of story, that's what happened. Now, people are gonna say, well, what happens when we start adding you know, 3,000 travelers a day, 5,000 travelers a day, that's, you know, 5,000 times 30 is is a, uh, you know, not an inconsequential number, 150,000 people, right? Well, if the case rate is low, which it will be with a pretest, and that's 150 people potentially over the course of a month, that's nothing. That's like one day, and those guys are not mingling with us. The risk will be if people are now doing 10-hour shifts at the hotel again, and if, you know, we're unlucky and there's an outbreak and someone comes to work and they didn't wear a mask during the lunch hour or on their breaks, then you'll get spread. So when I say the risk, the risk is we have to be better than ever with our mask wearing. It's been 84% on Oahu and it's been 57% on Big Island. So it's a big, big difference there. So if we do a good job and prevent community spread, we're good. It, I would not be obsessed with the travelers because frankly first of all remember 15 percent of all the travelers are us that's us returning from the mainland mm-hmm. and going back to our family mm-hmm. then the rest of the travelers that's why we're doing the pretest. it is probably extreme overkill because no other state is doing it but alaska but i wanted to make sure that we had a strong sense of safety and that we could welcome them back without alienating that that group of people because we should all be in this as, as one we're all americans you know so let's do it safe and let's do it so that people aren't in food lines, you know, or 11% of our people are unable to pay their rent. I mean, it's time that we acknowledge those big challenges and do things smart when we open up. Um, sir, we have a question related to all of that from one of our Kumu listeners, Heidi. Uh, she is asking, um, as we open up to Trans-Pacific Tourism, she's asking, will there be transparency uh, from the administration in the number of visitors who have COVID-19? You bet. In fact, I'm in charge of that, and I'm going to be running the uh, the uh, the program that does the surveillance. And so I'll be able to tell people the exact percentage of the travelers that tested positive. And in addition to that, whatever the mayor's report, 
uh, in their, you know, in their counties will also, if they, and I'm sure that they will, share those numbers with the Department of Health, that's necessary, uh, then you certainly will hear the numbers. I'm looking forward to that because, look, let, let's be clear. Let's play it both ways. If it turns out that a lot of travelers are positive and we start getting spread, mm-hmm. well, then we'll know we can't control it. If we truly can't control spread, if we truly can't control it, then we'll just survive on our local economy until we get the vaccination. A lot of people will still stay unemployed, which will hurt. But if we truly can't handle it, that's fine. And hey, that's the deal. And if there's too much spread, I'm not going to err on the side of, of extra fatalities. No way. Let's just be safe. But if there's not spread, if there's not significant um, risk from tourism, then let's have it and let's let have people pay their rent and have the Christmas holidays in a way that's good for their children and them. And let's begin to move towards normalcy because then all the things become good news. I mean, I know that there may be a few listeners that are against vaccinations. And that's okay. It'll be voluntary, obviously, for sure, voluntary. But as we get people vaccinated and my family supports vaccinations, then we'll have more immunity, we'll be safer and it'll be much less likely we have significant outbreaks and we'll be able to begin to really, you know, kind of restore our, our way of life here. That's, that's what we got to do. Okay. Thank you very much, Lieutenant Governor. Appreciate that. Uh, so another question off of Facebook from Kevin. Uh, will there be any help for small businesses who are not getting any help from landlords? Uh, and will there be anything enacted to protect them personally if the business cannot make it and the landlord pursues their personal assets for compensation? tough one i i don't there were there were two, there were a couple programs they did for small businesses and I, I don't know if everyone knew about them if they didn't they should definitely contact the county right now there were two different level of grant programs where people could get ten thousand dollars or twenty thousand uh, dollars for a per month once for one month and then it was redone again after the second shutdown so you could get this twice and that was meant to pay some overhead Obviously, if you were in the larger business category, you get the PPP loans. But uh, right now, I do know that we are going to continue to protect renters from premature eviction. But I don't know about businesses. I don't know yet if the uh, the, the governor intends to extend that kind of protection to the businesses from larger landlords. And we should. The, the trick, of course, is we're probably going to need to give an economic mechanism for people to pay their debt. And maybe we'll have to just kind of support the entirety of society and provide some either low interest loans or just if if larger companies do just totally erase debt for small businesses to protect them, we may have to fortify the larger businesses. So people will tell us what we you know what they believe in, but we're not usually about giving big corporations big money, but it's a different thing when you're talking about like someone who's been so supportive like Hawaiian Airlines and they're going to be the way we open our economy again, of course the airlines needed support. So whatever we do, we have to make sure this goes up and down the mountain to protect our society. Thank you very much. Can you talk about this mask mandate, like what you are calling for, what the penalties are, like how specific who would enforce it, and how likely it is that we'll actually have a mask mandate? Well, it's challenging because right now each county has a different, they were given the capacity to have a different, their own, mask rules or mask mandates, and they all do. However, the, 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 the flip side of that is it's very difficult, number one, for people to enforce because you have to, you have to give them a misdemeanor penalty and then it goes to court. 
mm-hmm. and that means up to $5,000 fine and up to a year in jail, which is obviously not reasonable or anything we would do to anybody who didn't wear a mask. Now, having said that, well, what I believe the mask mandate should be, and I've asked the attorney general and the judiciary to try to make this happen, is it should be a warning and then a $100 fine, not unlike jaywalking, $50, $75, $100, whatever you've got to do. And then the second fine should be a little higher. And so that is the way to do it. And if everyone wore masks, completely well first of all they should do it um they should just do it because it's the right thing to do vis-a-vis your fellow citizens kind of that what you've been hearing like i'm a llama you you malama me mm-hmm. that's what um has been coming out of uh, uh john defries at the hawaii tourism authority's very smart uh proposal but we need to have that if we don't have that it's often the case that no one will listen. You know, no one was listening to the jaywalking thing, and we were killing a bunch of older people in the crosswalk all the time. And we finally got younger people and older people to not walk in the cross, not walk against uh, traffic, and and I think it's been much better. So you have to do that. I don't know if it's easy to do because we do apparently need statutory change. This is the kind of thing that I'm hopeful hopeful, hopeful that the governor will be able to uh, find a way to do through the emergency proclamation because it's just so valuable. Masks are by far more important than testing, by far. Mm. Masks are far more important than vaccinations. Vaccinations are only going to be at, you know, 70 percent successful, probably. We'll be lucky if it's more than that. And, you know, 50 or 60 percent of people may take the vaccination. That will not give us full immunity. But if we all wore a mask for, say, a month or two months, we'd have no COVID around, none. It would just die out. So uh, I really hope people will take that to heart. It's unfortunate that you have to put in some kind of penalty instead of just being able to say, look, right here on your your radio show, right here we know what the right thing to do is. It's wear masks. Everyone says it. Fauci says it. I mean, I have been hearing an excessive amount of chatter about second, third, fourth tests. But, you know, if you want to take it down from 1 in 1,000 to 1 in 5,000 to 1 in 25,000, you're chasing a phantom at that point. Whereas every day we have 100 cases. We can have 30 cases instead. We get 20 cases. We could be knocking down our case counts to, like, almost nothing mm. if we just wore masks. And so I, I find it interesting that people continue to go to these other more complicated, you know, solutions like fancy medications in the intensive care unit paying tens of millions of dollars for extra staff, which is fantastic to have because we need them in the hospital, when all we really have to do is be really good at mask wearing and then pretty good at contact tracing when we do have a couple cases break out. Mm -hmm. That solution ends it. Okay. Thank you very much, Lieutenant Governor. Uh, from Pittsburgh Steelers Fan Club of Hawaii. They're going to be very happy that we mentioned that. Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah. I know. Sorry. As a New York guy, I don't know if that's uh, that's really your jam. But uh, is there a projected date for inter-island travel without quarantine for residents of Hawaii? Yeah, that's a great question. I'll tell you what my recommendation is, and then the mayors will have to determine what they think is best. I think that the most sensible thing and the fair thing is to if we're going to allow travelers from the mainland to go to Big Island or Kauai or Maui, we should have the same uh, provision for our own local people. And we have the mechanism in place, get a pretest. We have the definition of the pretest, this nucleic acid amplification test, you know, the PCR test. 
get a pretest within 72 hours of your departure to Kauai or Maui or Big Island or wherever, Hawaii, and you will be negative. We're already only at one out of 700 of our of our citizens are currently positive, confirmed positive. You add that test, you're going to knock that number down to one in three or 4,000. So we should do that. I would like to see it done by the 15th. I can't say for sure. Uh, I do think that it's very possible the mayors are negotiating the specific details of that with the governor right now, and I wouldn't want to speak out of turn. I just want I just want us to try to simplify our processes because it's going to be confusing enough when we have a pretest and all this other stuff going on. Okay. Thank right. you very much. We wanted to talk to you also about this conversation about a possible third wave of COVID-19 for the U.S. Already we're averaging about 45,000 new COVID-19 positive tests a day for the U.S. Um, and they're looking right. at winter now. And the CDC is saying that the U.S. could reach 233,000 deaths just by the end of this month. And we could be talking by January, 2,900 Americans dying every day if things don't change. Um, and this is dovetailing at the same time that we're trying to open tourism here in Hawaii. Are, are you concerned about that? And what can we do to, you know, what what is being done uh, with an eye toward a possible third wave happening nationwide? Okay, so here's the story on the third wave. And mm. it's, it's, you know, they're just being they're projecting risk, right? They're worried that when people go back indoors, inside, that there will be spread again. And that is definitely the possibility. A couple things. I'm not overly worried about travel here, because as a person who's had COVID, I can tell you, if you have COVID, you do not want to travel. And then if you're an asymptomatic carrier and we force you to have a test, we've got a pretty good chance of making sure you're not positive. And then we're going to test you again, uh, very likely. So I'm not too worried, but yes. As they go indoors when it's cold, that's the third wave. We're not going to get cold here, so we don't have that same risk. We will not have a third wave as a result of being indoors. We could have a third wave as a result of letting down our guard. That's totally possible. Mm -hmm. But we will not have a third wave because of the climate. That's what they're talking about, really, behind the scenes. Now, yeah, if there's a super third wave and they're testing and it's impossible to get a test, the market will reflect that. We're not going to let people come into Hawaii and avoid quarantine if they haven't had a test. So they're going to have to have a test. And we're going to have to enforce the quarantine, which is always challenging but doable. People are going to now have to have a digital app that they can show. They're at a restaurant and they're, they're not a local person. If they can't demonstrate that they, you know, that they had done the pre-test and that they're negative, they're going to be sent back to their hotel or even arrested. So we're going to be careful here. The, the key is, instead of working from a place of fear, we should work from a place of science. And if the science bears out that we can keep things safe, we keep things safe. And if the science doesn't bear that out, mm-hmm. then, of course, we, you know, we rely back on our Kama'aina economy and we diminish travel here. So if it's dangerous to travel, of course, we won't have that. Not the airlines. They won't want it. Nobody will want it because we don't want to get our people sick. But every day, you can be sure I'll be looking at the numbers until I'm expecting to continue this kind of operation, this intensity of operation until next March, it suggests to me. And then I think things are probably going to get way, you know, way lighter. But that's probably going to be six weeks after a vaccination and the virus finally breaking down. A lot of ifs and just, you know, that's the job, right? To make sure people are safe and mm-hmm. I'm honored to do it. But I think that a lot of it's right now just it's guesswork still 
on what will happen with COVID. One thing is true, the nation does not have full immunity. It's got a lot more immunity than it did this time last January when we had none, but we probably don't have more than 10 or 15% immunity in any significant um, part of the country. Maybe New York, where they had a big surge in New York City, but almost everywhere else, it's still going to be an immune question. And look, let's get that vaccination in place, frankly, and then we'll feel good. Okay. Thank you very much. Lieutenant Governor Josh Green joining us here. Uh, this this thing with the president <laughs> is making us both yes. confused. Like, are is he sick? Is he not? And so it's almost like we want you to put on your doctor's hat for a second yes. to walk yep. us through this because he got sick about a week ago. I mean, they announced it right. on Friday, right? Yes. So it's been seven days. Uh-huh. And Tomorrow already, will be eight days, yeah. and now his doctor is saying, oh, no, no, he's good. Yeah, he can go to events. He doesn't need to wear, and he yeah. ripped off that mask as soon as he yeah. got back to the you, White House. And you et cetera, had to sequester yourself for 14 days. You had to quarantine for 14 days, and you actually had it. So right. what's okay, happening? So here's the, here are the technical rules. The president's behaving recklessly. There's no question about that. The technical rules are you have the virus. Once, once you've been tested, you do a good history. Ten days from the date that you got symptoms, if that was in seven and he's headed towards the weekend, once it's been ten days since you had your first symptoms and you're positive, if you're no longer symptomatic, that means no fever, no cough, no shortness of breath, no nothing, mm-hmm. if you're not symptomatic, then you get released after ten days if you have a mild case. If you have a severe case of COVID, and the president's case has got to be described as a severe case because... He went in, he was hospitalized, he required oxygen, and he accepted um, cutting-edge immunotherapy, mm-hmm. antibody therapy. Then the rules are 20 days. So if, if he caught this thing seven days ago, as we described, or he had symptoms for the first time seven days ago, as we described on the second, mm-hmm. then that means on the 22nd, if he's asymptomatic, he should be released. Anything before that, if he's with people, if he's out of his home isolation, is uh, irresponsible and, frankly, unethical. So he should stay in place until the 22nd. If they describe his case just as a mild case, which is, I'd say that's a reach, because he went into the hospital needing to be flown in with a helicopter and having, um, you know, these, these antibodies injected into him, plus remdesivir, plus steroids, mm-hmm. that's considered a serious case, right? Uh, then they, the doctors will be doing him a disservice and they will be misrepre- misrepresenting his disease and he will be leaving early and being, putting everybody at risk. So if he goes and starts having gatherings and stuff without, first of all, gatherings should be a no-no and mask wearing is an absolute, absolute must. Anything else is, is frankly negligence. And if I were people and he came around me, I would call the Department of Health on him and have him taken back to his, his home. Okay. <laughs> Thank you that, for that. That's what we that thought up. too, because we were like, yeah. "Wait, like, what? How is that possible?" The logic of it is just not matching up. I mean, even if you said, "Okay, well, he was showing symptoms technically on Wednesday, right?" Which actually looks yeah. bad because on Wednesday he was traveling and he was meeting up with all these people mm-hmm. on Wednesday, but had symptoms. Then, yeah, I guess it's ten days. But like you said, it, it's a serious case. It's not a minor case. Yours was a minor case, right? You had a fever. Yeah. You, but you. I had no fever, actually. Oh, I actually, had no, oh, okay. I, I, had, I had fatigue and aches, yeah. and no hospitalization, no, no oxygen, no medications. I took vitamin C and vitamin D. And I still, and by the way, and then I still stayed an extra week, 
Yeah. After the set, after the ten day release, because I wanted to um, be with my family and respect what I put them through, because yeah. they had to do fourteen days because they were a close contact. So I stayed a whole extra week, and honestly, the president is just not going in at all. I mean, it's it's pretty it's pretty incredible. I mean, it's what he has decided uh, he believes and he would like to do. Obviously, it's a part of this um, this reputation that he wants to have, which is that that he defies any kind of real uh, rules and that he is not um, <laughs> subject to, you know, that he's not subject mm. to the, the rest of the, the public health guidance that the world has to deal with. And he doesn't care about leading by example, which his, he, well, actually, I should say this. He, he believes he should lead by his example. And his example is don't listen to anybody. Don't be a wimp. Don't, uh, don't listen to science. And, the example that any president should should lead with, with without regard for being a Democrat or Republican is be compassionate, be empathetic when there's 210,000 people that have died of this disease and be be serious about it, because we've seen a lot of people actually die a lot. Yeah. And yeah. We've, seen, we've seen young people. We had a 40 year old or someone in their 40s, I should say, die recently. Um, I think that person lived in Kona and just awful to to downplay the risk of this thing. Right. He should be talking about mask wearing all day long, really. And also that experimental drug that he took, um, it is not a cure. Yeah. Correct? No. We don't <laughs> okay. even know if it works, but okay. if um if it it's no, it's an antibody to boost up your immune system so your immune system can start pushing back against the virus some. Mm. But we have no idea if there are side effects, we have no idea if it causes confusion, it we have no idea <laughs> We don't know anything about this thing. It's terrible. I mean, so, uh, you know, the president is um, his own, he's his own kind of guy, you know, that's, uh, that's his prerogative, but the office carries with it a responsibility. There are many days, I can tell you just as a guy who's in a much, much smaller office as lieutenant governor, there are days where I take a deep breath and I sigh because I would like to just be doing what I used to do, go for a eight-mile run, not have a cell phone with me, not worry about public hmm. opinion. I would love that. But you can't, you can't goof off, and you can't lead badly, and you can't set a bad example for young people when you're in office. And his office is a, you know, it's 100,000 times bigger than mine. It's um, more, you know, it's, it's far more important, and many more people look to him for an example, and he should be leading with a good one. Mm. And so the, he has not led by example with COVID. People can make up their mind on him otherwise. I'm not here to be partisan, but he, he does need to be a lot more thoughtful. Mm, mm, got it. All right, Lieutenant Governor Josh Green, you know, the next time we have you on the show will be underway yeah. with uh, yeah. Trans-Pacific Tourism for the first time since last, Woo-hoo. since March. Wow. Yeah. So yeah, I, I plan to spend a lot of time at the airport actually trying to help out and check mm. people's tests and so on on the 15th. And, you know, one more eye on the, on the safety of coming in and just be a doc over there and help out uh, the process. So lots of updates then. And thank you again for letting me share at least my opinions about this virus and, and everything else today. Thank you, sir. That is uh, Lieutenant Governor Josh Green right here.